You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, the NBA is in its second half, and this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings has you covered with a leader in one-day fantasy sports, and they're giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. You just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. With the DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That code is THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. All right, why don't we just get dark right off the bat? That was a pretty uh, positive and upbeat introduction, actually. Yeah, well, I had to prepare people because we're about to get dark here. So why don't you start? I mean... (laughs) You you basically you straight up texted me. You're like, I'm losing hope just as fast as I fucking got it under Daryl here. So let's let's point out all the red flags. Um, and then I'm gonna I've been doing my best to get all my rebuttals ready for our own red flags and try and stay optimistic here. Well, okay, like first things first, I think the Leafs like showed because I think that's the main lesson last that I've taken from the last two games is the Leafs are really good. The Flames, not so much, you know, like they didn't deserve to be in any either of those two games, like (laughs) not even close. The Leafs dominated from start to finish. So one side of me is like, we suck again. The other side of me is like, well, we've always sucked and the Leafs are just that much better than us. So that's my first kind of takeaway. I mean, these the thing that is bumming me out the most, though, is that is Daryl Sutter doing his best Jeff Ward impression here? What is with the lack of adjustments? Why is Brett Ritchie still playing on the with Gaudreau and Monahan? Like, there's he the power play still sucks. They're not doing what I thought they would do. Like, that was my one sure thing that I was like, "Okay, Daryl's not going to force things that don't work like Jeff was," and he's kind of been doing that through the last three games when things haven't been working. So that's like number one red flag to me. I mean, another red flag is that okay, we saw two really good games against Montreal. Got an established forecheck going there, playing really fast. Had the puck a ton. Barely let any chances be generated against. 
And then the last three games, we they've been they've reverted to pretty much exactly to how they were playing under Jeff Ward, allowing insane amounts of quality scoring chances, not being able to generate anything five on five. Everything's super slow, super boring. I don't know, man. And yeah, like we're still four and two under Daryl, but like these last three games have just been brutal to watch. Yep. The last, I mean, like we played six games under Daryl. The first three were great. Great. The last three. A breath of fresh air. The last three, not great. I mean, that, that first game in Toronto, you get the win. And the numbers are always going to be skewed a bit when, when there's a team that's trailing by two, right? They're always going to be generating more chances just out of desperation. But that, that first game comes down to goaltending. Um, Frederick Anderson, not great. And Markstrom saves you the game late on the power play by absolutely robbing Austin Matthews, probably the save of the year. Oh, easily. So we'll, today we'll break down the two games against Toronto. There's not really a lot because they're very similar. What I thought was interesting, um, and then what we'll also do is we'll kind of look at the, the, the six games as a stretch under Daryl and try and figure out what's do our best, do our best to figure out what's going to happen next. I mean, it's so on the fence, right? You could, you see all these things that look like, Oh shit. This is exactly like you said, is that, is that Jeff Ward back there? Um, sticking with what's not, we're going to work. So, but it's still early. So we're going to, we're going to look at which direction this could go. I got some, some different perspectives in terms of it's still probably much too early to tell who, but what I thought was interesting was this little thing you put up, um, you know, if you follow us on Instagram, this is where Mikey usually puts it up. I usually take it and throw it in the fleets. If I'm not depressed or it's super late, I'll usually do it. And one of the one of the game stats you'll throw up is this deserve to win a meter, which is just based on chances and what else goes into it. Yeah, it's mostly based on like expected goals, so quality scoring chances. So what I thought was interesting, right? The game one against the Leafs, based on expected goals and quality scoring chances because you were outchanced 29 to nine <laughs> in game one. Yeah, it was not pretty. The shot attempts were 52 to 28. And I know the broadcast was going on about how many blocked shots the flames had. There's always a caveat to block shots, right? I mean, you said this in the past, the more shots you're blocking, it just means you're defending more, right? Mm-hmm. So although it is a good stat because that's not a shot on the net, it's also not so much of a good stat because it means you're out of position and you're defending all, the whole game. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because what did you say after game two against the Oilers? What you said was, look, if you cleaned up even a couple of those D-zone you know, breakdowns, your goalie makes you a couple saves and you get a goal in the power play. You might even win that game. Yeah. And that's what we saw against game one of the Leafs. Leafs go over three on the power play. We get one. We're one for three on the power play. You don't have as many defensive breakdowns, right? The high danger chances were 11 to four 
for the Leafs? Most of them came in the first period. So the Flames kind of shut it down after the first. Yeah. And I think even Daryl said this is like the Leafs had two power plays late in the game and they were pressing. He 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 feels like a lot of their those chances came later in the game for them. Yeah. But like you said, you clean up your D zone, your goaltender makes a save, and you score on the power play, you might actually win that game. And you do. So obviously the encouraging thing about it is. All the games that we've won, we've come out to two nothing leads early in the game. The three out of the, or sorry, the four out of the six games that we played under Daryl Sutter, they've come out in the first period and gone. I think it's the first period in all of them, two nothing leads, or maybe there was one game. It was since no, the uh, the Oilers game. It was the second period that they that they came out yeah. two nothing, but you've had two nothing leads in all those games. So we're gonna look at at you know to that as a trend. Look. The Leafs are the best team in the division, although the Oilers are now pressing for that, for that crown, which I don't even want to talk about them. But but the Leafs are, they've been struggling as of late. What, they have one, now two wins in the last seven games or something like that? Yeah, I think it's two and eight even maybe. So you're always trying to get a solid measurement to where you are. I think it's safe to say the Leafs are the best team in the division, even though they have been struggling. They've just been having bad goaltending, really. Yeah, bad goaltending and bad shooting luck. Like, how many times did Austin Matthews hit the post in those two games even? Yeah. So I think it's a safe measurement to say that's the best competition there is in the division. They're just coming off four days off, so they're well-rested. And – you always hear this thing like, yeah, well, you, know, you can't use that as an excuse, but this season is an anomaly, right? The amount of games these guys are playing per week is uh, more than ever. So just in the last 10 games, sorry, 10 days, the Flames have now played six games. Six games in 10 days. That's crazy. And versus the Leafs, that back-to-back, they just came off of four days of rest. So the Leafs should have won that series by all, all accounts. They're the better team. They're coming off rest. They've had, you know, three days at least to practice and prepare for one team that they're going to play twice. If they have better goaltending in game one, they probably do win. But on the flip side... I've been, I've just been kind of curious because I know we're, I've got to rebuttal this like panic, right? Of like, okay, this is another Jeff Ward, right? <sighs> Daryl Sutter's been with the team for 12 days. Not and, even two, not even two weeks. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and they've won four games. Yeah. So here's some, here's some just facts, right? Daryl Sutter has been the coach of this team for 12 days. They've had five practices. They've played six games. So they've played more games than they've had practices. They're four and two. In the first three games, I would say they looked awesome. Um, in the, la- in the, in the, the second three games, they haven't. In those, f- They've had first... Those, that first three stretch of games where they looked good, they had four practices during that time. Two before the Montreal series, 
and then one in between the series, and then one to prepare for Edmonton. In the second stretch where they stunk, they've had one practice for three games. So there's not really a lot of chance for Daryl to go in and adjust based on the shit show that we saw versus the second game in Edmonton. And look, these might just be excuses or they might actually be things that are relevant. I think they're relevant. And I mean, it's kind of hard to... Because remember when the coaching hire first happened, we were like, okay, we got to give this some time. This is a long-term... Because even Brad said it, right? Like, coaching carousel is done. This is a long-term project. Yeah. Um, so it's been, like you said, 12 days. I'm trying not to freak out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you're going to freak out the when it's happening, right? Because, like, if you watched last night, that was terrible to watch. I don't want to watch that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to look at guys like Gaudreau and be like, he has one five-on-five goal in, like, what, 19 games, somebody said? That's yeah. insane. It's been a while. Since Daryl took over, he's the only player who hasn't been on the ice for a five-on-five goal. That's mind-blowing. So there are reasons to be concerned. But like you said, I think that's a good point about the practice. You saw three really good games, right? You saw three games where they were doing what Daryl wanted them to do. Then yeah, you've I mean, seen honestly, three games where they look like the old Flames. The biggest difference for me in those those first three games and the second three games is the forecheck. Yeah, 100%. The first three games, they actually were hemming the other defensemen and team in their own zen, own end because they were re- relentless on the forecheck. It was well, shades, I, of, shades of 04. Yeah, and you Se- s- in the second three, three, I did not see that. You saw it a little bit, I think, to at the very beginning of the Leafs game in game one where, where they got up like – a couple good shifts early on. Um, So like, you got to remember, like this is a different way of playing, like even not even just systems wise, but like you've heard everybody say like the pace, the pace, the pace, right? Like I'm sure it's an adjustment for these guys. Not even, not even like uh, mentally, but physically as well. Like they've probably not had to skate this hard for a long time. Um, Playing this kind of slowed down version of hockey that Jeff Ward has had them play. Um, yeah, just kind of like, oh, you know, outdoor ice. Yeah, so I think, you know, I <laughs> again, the, like you said, six games in how many days? Ten? That's nuts. So yep. p- trying to adapt to this very, um, a lot of skating, <laughs> a lot of hard skating, a lot of hard minutes, I'm sure hasn't been a great adjustment. And that's probably why you saw great returns on it initially and now they're kind of starting to tail off a little bit so curious to see what a few practices do and what a few games against the senators do um and again like are you are you going to tell me you're not going to take if somebody said yeah you're going to go one and two against the best team in the division you're probably taking that right so yeah well i mean going into it that's that's where you're at so you need at least two i'm happy with three we got the two. We got we got what you needed. And you got I mean, what you needed. You, yeah, say, exactly. You know, say what you want about the numbers in the first game. They controlled the scoreboard pretty much the entire game. They never they never trailed. So there is something to be said about that as well, right? Well, and there's something to be said for them 
Because like I was talking about last time, this team's proclivity to just completely fall apart when things go wrong. There is something to be said for them to be able to hang on to a lead for once because we've seen this team fall apart so many times over the years. Um, and I mean, the other thing that's interesting that, and we'll get into the lines discussion, because I know you have some thoughts on that, but like seeing Sean Monahan out there killing a penalty with what four or five minutes left in a one goal game against the best team, best power play in the entire league. I love that shit. I don't like, know about you. That's crazy. Like I legitimately had to do like a quadruple take. I was like, is that a Monaghan? What? He's out there on the penalty kill right now? The shit? Um, and like, I mean, that's what's maybe you're starting to think maybe this is more long-term long game. Like maybe the season is a write-off. Maybe it's all about next year. Maybe it's all about putting these guys finally, you know, getting these guys to the next level because, that's really what they've lacked in a coach is a guy who's been able to push them to the next level. Maybe that's on the players. I don't know, but I don't know. Some of the coaching decisions have been weird, but some of them have been interesting too, right? Like maybe he's, I think Daryl is still probably in a stage right now where he is because like, look at this team. Look what's, what's been one of the mainstays of this team in terms of their fragility and their inability to deal with adversity is like, they seem to be one of the most confident, uh, dependent groups <laughs> I can recall. So I think, I think Daryl's probably man trying to manage the confidence and manage <laughs> these guys right now, especially the top guys who have been struggling. Yeah, in I a, mean, like in a way we... that maybe he doesn't have to in a place like LA where he goes in and it's like he's got Kopitar and Doughty and these guys who are solid already and just need a push in a different direction. Like, I don't know, man. Well, I mean, we, what we've been saying is it, it looks as though part of Daryl's strategy coming in, cause that's, that's one thing you got to look at, right? If you're going to, if you're going to take over a team right in the smack dead middle of their season, when they're, were they below 500 when he comes in? Uh, I think they were right at 500, maybe like, or maybe they were below. I can't remember. It was like they 12, been, 13. They might have been one game below. Yeah, I think it was 12 so, and 13. Like, what do you like? What are you supposed to do? Like, you don't have time to completely start with a fresh slate. So part of his strategy, and he's vocalized this as well, has been, I don't want to change much. Small changes incrementally, bit by bit. Shift by you know, shift. Start with you know, almost the glaring things. Um, and so given the little, and here's the other thing is like, you've had, he's had one practice in the last three games, yeah. just due to schedule. They didn't even get a chance to practice before playing the Leafs. So, I mean, given the situation, the fact that we're four and two, and I mean, yeah, there was red flags. The way we got beat those last three games is not encouraging and it's not fun to watch. And it, it, I mean, here's the other thing, right? If we don't have Glenn Galton's PTSD, if we don't have Bill Peters' PTSD in season two, if we don't have Jeff Ward PTSD, do we e are we even phased really by the last two games? By the last three games? Probably, you know, we're probably able to just slough it off a lot easier. Just the fact that, you know, we've been dealing with 
terrible play under questionable coaches for the last five seasons, you know, I think plays a factor in, in how we're, you know, we're looking at the situation currently. Yeah. Because like all you hear now is like, Oh, guess it wasn't the coaching problem. These guys just suck. Right. That's well, kind, and, and that's and that's kind the of the thing, new thing. That's the thing is we're, it's too early yeah. to really tell. I mean, by like, here's the other thing, right? You got senators coming up. They're the worst team in the league. If you beat them as you should, both games, I don't care in what fashion, you just got to get the, the four points. Now you're six and two. So you're right there. I mean, the, the good news is they, they should be able to practice today to prepare for tomorrow. We get another practice in between their next game because they're staying in Ottawa. There's no travel. I mean, obviously, we don't need to say this. You got you have to win the next few games. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the Senators, just like the Leafs, they're coming out. They're going to be coming out for four days rest as well. So that that first period is going to be huge. You can't get behind the eight ball. Well, now, and I, 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 I think the other thing too is like, I don't know. It's it's not like again. It's kind of similar under Ward right now. It's like they're not playing bad. I think that's what I'm like kind of grasping onto right now. It's not like you can point and be like, man, Johnny Gaudreau sucked tonight. Right. It's just like, he looks a little lost. He doesn't know what to do quite yet. Yeah. They're still adjusting. So I think that again, like he was, he's been busting his butt. I think everybody's been working hard. <laughs> it's just, there's still some adjustments and guys still look a little lost out there. Yeah. Which, you know, and this just goes back to this whole thing of you can't change it all in the yeah. middle of the season. So even the small amount of subtle changes, they're still having to adjust. So, yeah, if you're Sutter, I mean, you got to you got to attack this from a long term perspective as well as short term and find a balance, right, of how much change you can implement. But we saw a lot of changes last last night against the Leafs. What was it? The second period. <laughs> Uh, Bennett's up on the top line. Dubé is sitting. Backlund sat for a while. Dubé and Levo specifically sat for a while, but yeah, there were some shifts. I think Lindholm missed a shift. Backlund missed a couple shifts for sure. Um, Chucky and Lindholm look good. I mean, their game's coming around. I I know everybody's kind of like, oh, Kachuk hasn't been very good. I've had zero problem with Kachuk since Sutter took over. Have you? I think he's been his yeah. normal self because I know everyone's like, oh, he's doing nothing five on five. Every time he's on the ice, I, I've liked Matthew Kachuk's game, and I think he's been one of the most effective players since Daryl took over. The last two games have been good. I mean, here's the other thing is like Daryl hasn't even switched to lines since, you know, taking over from Ward. So he's he's inherited a lot. The only changes he's really made is to the PP1, finally. And you finally saw Lindholm on the faceoff dot. It only, it only took Daryl four games of seeing how Monaghan couldn't win a face. It didn't take him four years to figure it out and still not change it. Lindholm's now taking the draw on the power play and we're winning faceoffs. So it's little things that, you know, at a time, I, like you pointed out, Monaghan's on the PK. You're seeing all these little tiny things that are very calculated, in my opinion, and not calculated in terms of, oh, this is going to help me win this game. He's playing a more of a long-term, long-term game, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I agree. It's less like decisions like, yeah, I'm going to go on a hunch and put Josh Levo in the shootout and more like, yeah, like I think he's, I think with Monaghan and Gaudreau specifically right now, he's pressure cooking them. Yeah. I think he's pushing them in a way that they haven't been pushed before because this is different than like, Hey, let's give them D zone starts against Dallas and see how they fare. Right. Yeah. It's, I think he's, he's prodding them a bit to see what he's dealing with or to, to see how they respond. I don't know what he's doing. Like, (laughs) this is why it's nice having a guy who has been around who you kind of can maybe trust a bit. I mean, we'll get into the, the top six discussion in a, in a bit here, but. Well, the default with him is he probably knows what he's doing instead of he probably doesn't. Or he's doing it with a reason. Yeah. So the way I see him utilizing Gaudreau and, and Monaghan, Monaghan specifically, just like with the PK stuff, I think he is kind of pressure cooking these guys. I think he's, yeah. he's trying to see if he can. I think I, it's either twofold. He's either trying to see what he's got or trying to push their buttons a little bit in ways they haven't been pushed in the past to see how they respond. Yeah, it's probably both. And I mean, if, if you're ever going to go, you, like, think about anything in your life, you know, that you that you start to accomplish, right? When you get to different levels of accomplishment, there's always a threshold you have to go through, right? And there's usually, there's resistance. Um, when you go from one level to the next, you got to go through challenge, right? And I think maybe what you're alluding to is that's what we're seeing, Right. Daryl is putting these guys in these new positions, different positions that they're going to be forced to adjust and work through challenge in order to get to that next level. Or like you said, he's going to see what he has. Right. But I think Daryl knows that these guys have to play in these, your best players have to play in these positions. Right. Yeah, and I think, wasn't that the point we were all going into this? Is like, okay, now we'll know, you know, who do, exactly. who, sh- who should be sticking around after this year and who probably shouldn't be. And I think we'll know after, after this year. Well, and even, I think you have to even give it longer than this year. But we'll yeah. know by the end of Daryl Sutter. We'll know by the next season for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll know. We'll have a pretty good idea by the end of the season. But th- this season is still an anomaly. I mean, you got to take the season with a grain of salt too. The amount of games these guys are playing in the shortened window, you know, coming off a coaching change mid-season like this. And I think, I think the one thing that, like, man, I wish he's got to get he's got to get the top six figured out though, doesn't he? Like this, yeah, Brett, this the Brett Ritchie. the Brett Ritchie thing needs to end, like. Again, like we just, like I just said, he's pressure cooking these guys. But I mean, at some point, you know, like you have to get Gaudreau going. <laughs> like, like I said, he has one five-on-five goal in nineteen games. And again, is it on Brett? Is it on the coach to make sure Johnny Gaudreau is scoring? No, but I mean, he's still your best offensive player. And I mean, I I still have a really hard time with the argument that Gaudreau and Monahan just have fallen off a cliff so hard the last two years that they aren't even top six players in the league anymore. Right. Like I'm still struggling to, to see how that, how can these two guys, I think this probably applies more to Monaghan because I think everybody knows Gaudreau is just struggling and probably uh, the victim of some poor circumstances right now. But like, 
I just can't see Sean Monahan dropping off, falling off the face of the earth at age what twenty six, and like yep. now he sucks. Like something else is going on, and there's got to be a way to get this guy to be a more effective hockey player. Because I just don't see it, right? I don't see two guys who used to be so dominant offensive players just completely falling off the map. When was the last time they had a, well, other than Lindholm? Well, that's the thing is, like, you have Lindholm there. And that's what I'm also frustrated with right now is, like, is Elias Lindholm at center really making you a better team right now? Like, is he the linchpin that, like, is giving you all... Like, is that line really doing much of anything? I think Kachuk's been... Like, he's been fine. I'm not criticizing Lindholm. But I'm just saying, has having him at center made your team better? I don't think it has. I think it's taken away because I've been kind of banging this drum for a little while of, like, hey, the Flames, this spread the wealth philosophy isn't working because they don't have (laughs) enough skill in the top six, and they certainly don't have enough skill in the bottom six so you can't be playing Backlund and Mangiapane down your lineup so much so I mean like I think moving Lindholm to the wing would be like giving Gaudreau Monahan the only winger who's ever had a modicum of like actual legitimate elite success there would be where I would go I'm super curious to see what Daryl does though but holy shit this Brush Ritchie thing has to end Yep, I mean he's he's gone out and said like he wants some size and a guy that can skate with them. I just don't like to me that's one of the red flags, right? Yeah, this inability or this unwillingness to change it up. Because I even said this under Ward near the end, I said, "Okay, I'm cementing this in stone. This is now a new automatic red flag for me under any coach. If they try to to play." Four flying guys in top six roles. To me, that's an automatic red flag. And I mean, it's it's the line that Daryl inherited that he hasn't changed yet through six, but he seems to like it is the other thing. So, I mean, these guys need a play driving winger. We talked about this on the last podcast. If Johnny is going to be forced to dump the puck in now, I mean, unless they figure out how to dump it into Brett Ritchie's corner every single time, these guys are not going to be retrieving pucks. Well, it's funny because last night, the pretty much the one time Gaudreau carried the puck into the zone, he drew a penalty. and He looked, he looked dangerous and drew a penalty. Yeah, like literally the one time. So it's kind of hard right now to take both a long-term viewpoint and be like, Hey, Daryl's going to try and get the best of this team in the long term, and also not be frustrated. What's happening in the present, like in the present, it's frustrating as shit to watch that line play, to watch Johnny Gaudreau dump the puck in for Brett Ritchie, only for Brett Ritchie to obviously not retrieve the puck. And then the Leafs go up the other way and get a scoring chance. That's frustrating in the present right now. And again, maybe this year is just a learning year right off whatever, but still you want them to make the playoffs. I want them to make the playoffs. And if they're going to make the playoffs, you can't have Johnny Drew going one or 19 games with one five out of five goal. You're never going to make the playoffs that way. Um, Like, you know, it's just, I don't know. Well, and then obviously, I mean, we, this this will will forever talk about it until it's addressed, but you, we always come back to this as like, okay, 
the way all these coaches want to roll out this lineup, they want to spread out the depth. And if that's the case, then the general manager needs to make the team better. I mean, at what point? It's been seven years. Seven years of Bradshaw living. After seven years, Brett Ritchie is the right winger playing with Johnny and Monty. <laughs> it's insane. And I like, mean, I, would, I, who would you rather have playing with Johnny and Monty, Brett Ritchie or, or Corey Perry? Did you see Perry shoot a goal last night? Every time I watch the highlights, I see Corey Perry. Every time we play the Habs, Corey Perry, Corey Perry, Corey Perry. League minimum. No, I got Dom Simon, eh? Like the amount of league minimum players that would be so much better than Brett Ritchie. Jason Spezza, not that he would have played in Calgary, but man, he's looks pretty damn good. How about Joe Thornton? How about Simmons? Apparently you were interested in him for seven years. Until he's available in free agency. Until he's available for a league minimum deal in free agency, then you're not, not interested anymore. Oh, man. Team's not deep enough. And it, watching the Leafs and God almighty, is it hard to watch Sportsnet broadcast Leafs games because... That's all they want to talk about is the is the godsend of the Leafs and how amazing they are. But I mean, it, I'm it's, surprised. I'm surprised they don't just start off the broadcast with some sort of you know doctrine of they how, do. the Maple, how the Maple Leafs were founded by by you know the second coming of Jesus Christ Himself. They pretty it's much like, do. They, this is how it all started. The clouds parted. <laughs> He descended and gave us the leaf. So it's funny because after oh, you- <laughs> like instead of the fucking national anthem, they want to just create their own fucking some sort of religious hymn. It's like, a- why don't we start off the broadcast with that? That I mean, and having to listen about, I swear to God, they talked about Connor McDavid during a Leafs. Flames games more than they focused on any Flames player. I heard more about Connor McDavid than I did anybody, any Flames player. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, fuck. Imagine, whole- if he, imagine if he played for the Leafs. Can you imagine? Fuck. <laughs> it's the holy trinity of sports and it's McDavid, the Leafs, and who else? McDavid, the Leafs, and like the Leafs. Wayne Gretzky, I guess. I mean, yeah. did they not pretty much start off last night's game with propaganda? It was like a four and a half hour thing about how everybody in the military loves the Leafs. Dude, what what was that? And it was funny because after the game, I was watching it with my friend who had missed the games and he wanted to watch the highlights. I shit you not. They didn't show one. They showed the first goal. And then they're like, we're going to skip ahead here to it's tie game. And or the, the flames are up, and here this Austin Matthews with 14 posts. They show Mitch Marner spraying water on his legs. They show every conceivable angle of Kachuk being predatory on Justin Hole, trying to kill him in a fight by tricking him. They didn't show one goddamn flames goal in the highlight package afterwards. It's just it's just insane. Anyways, it's it's kind of funny to uh 
look at what Kyle Dubas has done in three years there. And then compare that to what tree living has done in seven years. And dude, my guy, Brad, she living. What are you doing? So they show, they show Dubas in, I think this was in the first game. They pan up to Dubas. He's up in the suite. Looks like an executive of, he looks like a, you know, looks like a normal executive. They pan over to our GM. He's sitting there. Looks like he's all disheveled. He's like itching his, he looks like he has fleas. And this guy is like, he's got a spitter and he's, he's like horking out chew. It's the fat man. Say. He's sitting there with a full, like, what is he doing? That's our GM. Oh my Lord. Anyways. So let's get into this point because here's the thing. I mean, we're, we're talking about this, right? You're looking at Daryl Sutter long-term versus, you know, short-term. We all want the short-term gains. I know we want them quick. We want them fast. It's the nature of the world. Now we want everything. Now we want to win now. Um, but obviously we're looking at things potentially at a longer scope, right? I think your, your goal is still make the playoffs this year. Right. Um, and we're in a good position. I mean, we're four and two. Now, this, this one thing that's been coming up, right, is he keeps on saying this. Daryl keeps on saying that we're not an offensive, you know, we don't have the firepower offensively to keep pace with the Edmonton Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We touched on it last podcast. It's still a talking point. And I think if we're trying to analyze where this team is going under Daryl and what his long-term vision looks like, and we're trying to analyze all these little things we're seeing in between these games and in games and whatnot, I mean, this is an important concept because he's basically stay, say, stating to the team, even though <laughs> I don't know who it was. I think it was Francis asking Johnny. So what do you think about your coach telling you guys you don't have the offensive ability? To blah, blah, blah. Are silly. you comfortable with that? You loser. <laughs> Pretty much, man. And Johnny says, oh, this is the first I've heard about it. So, I mean... I think they were saying this on the fan the other day. Um, it's he, he's making it known publicly. I don't know if he's obviously, I don't know if he's saying it in the room because if it's the first Johnny's heard about it, maybe he isn't, but Daryl Sutter wants this message to get across to everyone. And obviously that's a calculated way for him to change the style of this team to be a tighter checking team. I think we should spend a little bit of time on it because your only contrast is 18-19. Just so happens that was the season that you had the, the best results, you know, in a regular season since almost forever. You tied a franchise record. So that was a fluke though, right? And I guess this is also, you know, why it's a bit concerning for us now, right? Why there's some red flags, even though I'm still in the, I'm still trusting with in under Daryl Sutter. But we talked about this last podcast. You don't. You don't have the firepower, right? If you want a free wheel against the Leafs and the Oilers, you're probably going to lose unless, you know, you have world-class goaltending. Or am I wrong? Like, how do you look at that? Compare, well, comparing these Yeah, teams? like, I don't – obviously, they don't. Who has the firepower of McDavid and Dreisaitl and Matthews, Martin, Nylander, Tavares? Pretty much nobody. I think this is a pretty accurate statement, right? Like – 
What if, good. We, what if it was 18-19 team now, freewheeling? Could we keep up with them? I still don't think you could keep up with. Maybe, but still, like, dude, like, come on. Like, Matthews, Marner, you're, you're not going to beat those guys in a track meet very often. Because what, what that looks like, right, is you don't really play with a lot of structure, right? You're, it, you're, yeah. you're, you're fine with exchanging chances, and you're hoping that you can bury more chances in their team. You're not really trying to suppress chances so much as you're trying to generate them. You don't really care. Like that's kind of like this freewheeling track meet, right? Which the generating chances thing, as opposed to like, yeah, see, this is where it kind of worked. It worked under Bill Peters, right? Because you had the thing where you're not playing in your own zone because you had the puck so much. Which we haven't seen the last three games. We saw in the first two games for sure. And you know what else you haven't really seen? You haven't necessarily seen on the breakouts where the D-man just stand there. You haven't really seen that, but you haven't really seen a lot of what you saw in the first three games under Duro Sutter where the defensemen, especially Tan, are just wheeling the puck up the ice. Yeah. It's been a lot slower, a lot less getting the puck back in the offensive zone. But that's why stuff. I look, that's why I compared the, the, the amount of practices you've seen in the first three to the yeah. second three. And that might just be the case. It's like they're falling back to old habits because they haven't had enough time to keep ingraining, keep ingraining. Well, and also the Leafs did a really good job um, kind of in the neutral zone specifically, not allowing the Flames to move the puck up the ice. And I mean, they've been together, like Keith's been there so long, right? Like they can, that's an adjustment they can make. And like you yeah. said, Daryl hasn't had a practice. He didn't have a practice in between those games to uh, account for that. So I'm sure that that'll look a little better. Um, but I, I think that was a lot of the Leafs just adjusting what the Flames were trying to do for sure. And then again, like when it's not working, you're going to revert to what you know more. And Sheldon Keefe has four days to look at tape and prepare for the Flames too, right? Yeah, totally. But I don't know. I, I, I'm at this place where I'm, it, I hate, you know, to say it because what it means is you have to just let 1819 go. <laughs> right. <laughs> going to let it go. You can't let it go. Well, the thing is, like, okay, like, I don't know if they're, like, I don't know. I'm trying to read between the lines a little bit. And, it, like, okay, like. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to read between the lines. Yeah, you look at you look at the adjustments the Tampa Bay Lightning made um, following the 18-19 season, right? Where they were only the, the only team who was better than us that year. And they got swept by the Blue Jackets in the first round, right? Yeah. But the thing is, they didn't radically alter what they did best. They just adjusted and had a little more structure and and altered the way they play defense a little bit. Um, I know we talked about this. I think not in the summer. I don't even know what month, year, day it is anymore. What the timeline is. Whenever the offseason was, <laughs> we were talking about how Maybe we hope Jeff Ward kind of took a page out of the Tampa Bay Lightning's playbook and adjusted the way this team plays in the neutral zone and this team plays defense while still allowing them to do what they do best in the offensive zone. So, and I've even heard Daryl talk about, look at how Tampa Bay adjusted the way they played defensively and they won the Stanley Cup because of it, right? Like, I think that, I think he was talking about that the first or second day he was here. So, I think, I don't know if it has to be one or the other. Because how did the Flames get burned against the Colorado Avalanche, right? They got burned because <laughs> they weren't fast enough. And Nathan McKinnon picked their defense apart and Bill Peters had no answer. So I'm kind of hoping, I, I'm kind of trying to uh, say this isn't an all or nothing. This isn't Daryl saying we cannot play offensively ever. And Johnny Gaudreau has to dump the puck in and be a checker first and foremost. 
and can never play offensively more so than it is. We need to be better defensively end of story. Right. Yep. And we then need to play and- with more defensive structure. We, we can still, we still need to score goals, but we need to be better defensively. We need to be a tighter checking team in all three zones. Yeah. And he's already come out and laid, you know, the solid foundation of what that means. And it's the name of the game is puck possession. Yeah. So you haven't seen it really executed well in the last three games. And that's one thing you got to look for. How do we, against the, you know, this two game set against the senators is that's one of the main things we better dominate puck possession again. Yeah. And like, no excuse, geez, how many giveaways and turnovers that the flames have unforced in these last two games in this, in the, in the second game or the first game against the Leafs, they literally had 13 defensive zone giveaways. That's insane. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was the tempo changed right under those first three games. And that was the one thing that Daryl was stressing and the one thing that he was using his practices to translate into games was the upbeat, the tempo, because you, you just mentioned this under, under Jeff Ward, right? The way he changed the style. The main thing that Jeff Ward did was he slowed this team down. Yeah. I mean, that was the biggest contrast between him and Peters was the tempo that this team played with under Peters breaking out, especially creating transition speed compared to Jeff Ward, where there virtually was none. And those are habits that creep in. Like literally they creep in. You look at Rasmus Anderson. That to me, I, I think he's the biggest victim of that. It's just like this guy forgets what it's like to skate with the puck. But if you're looking at what Daryl Sutter is laying out, you know, when he goes out publicly and says, look, we don't have the firepower. I think, like you said, read between the lines. What he wants to do is make sure that the team as a whole, from defense all the way to forwards, are a tighter checking team. That I can get down. I can get down with that. Yeah, I can get behind that. I mean, that's how the Boston Bruins, the St. Louis Blues, that's how these guys won the Stanley Cup. Absolutely brilliant checking teams. And it's not body checking. It's positional play. When the other team gets the puck, you're able to get it back because you can check them positionally. Right. And that's the name of the game. Get the puck back. So, I mean, I mean, if you compare the first three games under start of the second three, tempo was totally changed. Like we're kind of falling back to old habits those last three games. And I'm, I'm, that's why I brought up the, the schedule. I'm sure fatigue plays a plays a role, especially when you're playing a team that isn't fatigued, that has had four days off. So I don't know. I, like I said, I bring up all these points. I don't, we don't want to come on here and just still have blind faith because we've seen some red flags, but I also want to caveat those red flags and say that part of that probably is the PTSD we have from the previous coaching. Yeah, for sure. And again, like I said, it's hard to balance the what's going to be good for this team in the future with what we want this team to do right now. And like you said, it's got to be now. It's got to like, it's hard thing to do to turn a hockey club around. Right. Like that's why the St. Louis blues are going from last in the league to winning the Stanley cup. That's an anomaly. That's like insane. That's like, that only has ever happened once. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. So that's the biggest difference. I know is in the, in the second three games we played tempo and the four check. And I mean, the four check feeds off the tempo anyways. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, kind of at a place where what other choice do you have but just to kind of throw out the last few games um 
you can't write them off, right? Because there's something there to be said, but I don't know necessarily that it's because of Daryl so much that it is because of, you know, what Daryl inherited. So, but like I said, like you mentioned, you know, the Brett Ritchie thing, that's a problem for me. Um, and whew, I mean, it's an issue coaching wise, but it's also the bigger issue is, you know, general management wise. Like when is this guy going to get us another player? Well, he's, you know, I'm Marcus Sorensen, don't you know? Uh, uh, loud and clear, who is Marcus Sorensen from most everybody when that was reported on Hockey Night last night? That would be the most tree-living move ever, right, eh? Just, like, bring in another plug and be like, see, bring, I, got, I got you depth. Bring in another Nordstrom to cycle up into the top six. And another Simone and another Richie and another Reader and another take your pick. So, apparently, again, Apparently, I don't know if this is true, but... Connor Garland, is he available? That was the word. If he's available, you go get him, Bradtree Living. That's you just do it. Dude, I don't care. Get him a first and a second for this guy. This guy is a, he's Monchiapani, but I think a little bit better. He's 25. He's on a pretty much league minimum deal that expires to RFA status next year. Go get Connor. If Connor Garland is available, you go get Connor Garland. I'm you do it. <laughs> this guy scores goals off his face. Okay, this is the guy, type of guy we need, especially like Daryl Sutter. I don't want to hear about any Sornstrom crap. I don't want to have out here about any, oh, it was too expensive. Oh, we were in on oh, it. He oh, he was in on it till the very last moment. Here's, well, an alternative, here's an alternative timeline. Instead of, you know, pulling out the last second and keeping Valimaki instead of Stone, you go and get Ryan Stone and you beat the Avalanche. It's, it's funny to me how... Brad seems to have think that this window is like 48 years long, eh? It's like he had a couple opportunities to really go for it, and nah, I'll do it next time. Yeah, I believe in this group. Yeah, I believe in these guys until, like, you know, they're all tired and old. <laughs> it's so stupid. Patrick Living is going to end up getting fired, getting replaced. 20 years from now... <laughs> He'll just be all old and wrinkly. People will be asking about his, you know, his little tenure as a GM. They'll be like, I still believe in that group. This still just, be the same. He'll team. be on his fucking deathbed. Do you think if the Flames miss the playoffs, there's any chance that, because I, I don't, I know I've seen that around. It's like people think tree living might be in, in trouble after this season. I think he's here as long as Daryl's here to be perfectly honest. I mean, that would kind of make sense. Um, even from, even from an ownership standpoint, right? But holy shit, this guy needs to go get us a player. Like, dude, it needs to happen now. This has gone on for six years. Like, sure. Give him the first few years where it was like, he's still kind of with a young team, still kind of working some things out. But this is borderline ridiculous, dude. Dude, it really is. This is borderline insanity. But he knows this is his last kick at the can. So why, why isn't he pulling out all the stops? I get it. You don't fuck up the future and go all in on a team that is, you know, 500. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you've seen the potential of, of what this team can do. You, you went out and you finally addressed the coach. I don't know how much of that was ownership, just being like, hey, dipshit, <laughs> do it, do something. But, like, does he knows, like, this is it, right? Like, he, he's not going to get – more than you know well and the other thing too that i kind of keep coming back to on the monahan discussion specifically monahan because 
I'm still having a hard time believing Sean Monaghan is this bad and has fallen off this much, but maybe it's true. If that's true, why? And everyone's like, oh, he tried to trade Monaghan this summer, but didn't make it happen. Okay, Sean Monaghan's no trade clause kicked in this season. If you're going to trade Sean Monaghan, this summer was the time to do it. Yeah, but how often do is is do we say this about Brad Schilling? If you were going to do this player last season, wow, that was the time to do it. Yeah. No, let's let Jankowski walk for nothing. Let's no. let Brody, Hamannick, Jankowski, Wait. all of them walk what? for nothing. What could you have got for TJ Brody? Just think about it. What could you have got? You could have got a first. No problem. Zero no, we'll just, problem. We'll just let him walk. We Meanwhile, defense will be our priority. We'll just pay an extra couple picks for Forbert Gustafson at the deadline instead of selling a few pieces and then let Forbert Gustafson, Brody, Hamannick, Jankowski all walk. I swear on this guy's eulogy, it will say, I believe, <laughs> in the 1819 group. <laughs> I still believe. Oh, my God. Fuck, dude. Okay, so um, let's let's rapid fire this game one, right? Chucky. I mean, Chucky throwing it to the net, right? Getting that, getting that goal. He, Chucky, uh, that's the best I've seen him in what, in the last 20 games? Those last two games against the Leafs, personally. So involved, so engaged. Getting in Muzzin's face, um, getting in in Hall's face with like Hall or Hall. I I mean, they call him Hall. It's like Hall, but with like a short A. Did his ancestors fail spelling? Hall. Hall. Hole. It's kind of like between hall and hole. Hole. It's like saying hall, but you you don't emphasize the A as much. Hall. The uh the second goal, like I think you mentioned this, Manchiapani's in the corner. Um Lucic comes in as a you know, the puck bounces to to Ras. Unbelievable great, play. Great play, play by Rasmus. Probably the only good play he's made this season. <laughs> yeah. Tanev comes down. I thought that was a great place shot. Um, you know, Dangle was convinced. Anderson probably should have had it, but I mean, it's still a good shot. And then Gio, the puck, it seemed like it went up, bounced off somebody's ass and went in. I oh mean, my God. I hate when those go in because it then it just lends, it gives Gio yeah, more excuse to blast it from the point on the power play. Yeah. The, the, the funny thing is, you know, I was going to say this at the beginning, but if you look at the past three games, you use the deserve to win a meter based on chance generated. The the game they deserved, you know, to win the least, 20, 22.5% of the time they win that first game against the Leafs is the game they win. Um, and then both the the loss to the Leafs and the lo- loss to the Oilers, they both deserve to win that 27% of the time. So even that blowout loss against the Oilers. Um, you still deserve to win the, the win against the Leafs less less times. Well, again, if you watch, like, did they really even have other than the Ryan goal? Like, <laughs> did you really generate anything dangerous? Very much, not really. So that was a big yikes from the Flames. And like we said, goaltending and a power play goal win you that game pretty much. Yeah. Some of your top performers in Game One: Derek Ryan, Matthew Kachuk, Milan Lucic, Elias Lindholm. Mangiapane. And listen, that I cannot, I can't believe that that, how is everybody talking about Matthew Kachuk being dirty or whatever after that game? Johnny Gaudreau almost got his head taken off. He's three feet away from the boards. 
He doesn't have possession of the puck. Gets absolutely creamed into the boards. The boards are being used as a weapon. Pretty much the definition of boarding. No penalty. No boarding call. And then all the focus is on, I like. <laughs> Number two on that, Brett Ritchie, what are you doing? The only purpose you serve on that line would be to do something with Johnny Gaudreau getting cheap shotted. Does nothing. Our no. 20-year-old rookie defenseman has to come in. Yeah. Number three. And then, you know, your your first first line Star player Matthew Kachuk has to has to fight him. What a joke! That's why, like you said, this though Lucic and Richie are there, so we're harder to play against. Yet they give the puck away and suck half the time. Another example of it, right? And that this is why you keep saying you you can't be giving those guys more minutes than guys like Backlund and Mangiapane. It's just ridiculous. I hated that hit. I know nobody seemed to want to talk about it. I don't know what they're drinking in Leafsland. Like, is there something in the water in Ontario where it's like every media person, like the fans, okay. Every media person, people I like, people whose analysis I appreciate are just like so far down this, like in like they have like Matthew Kachuk derangement syndrome. Dude, like I'm starting to become coming back to this religious thing, man. I think I think it's a cult. Seriously. I think you need to get baptized in, <laughs> in you know, a bathtub of maple leaf juice or something like that, like in order to, to become part of this sports Matt Sundin's like, you just get a Matt Sundin jersey that's still got sweat in it and you wring it out and you just get like baptized in that shit. Yeah, you have to like, you have to get the sweat dripped right into your eyeballs. <laughs> like that's how you become initiated into this club. Like the amount of smart people who cover the Leafs who were like, blatantly calling Matthew Kachuk a piece of shit for like what fighting a guy. It was, it was mind blowing. I love how there was one. There's only one guy. I can't remember his name. He's like, I'm in the minority here, but yeah, Sean, me, Sean McKenzie. He's like, but to me, it looks like Matthew Kachuk was just backing up to have like a center ice fight. At what point, if you're this, if you're whole, I'm calling him whole. Do you think Matthew Kachuk is not fighting? I just, I don't understand why you would go about, back and pick up your, your gloves. <laughs> Do you? I mean, no. Matthew Kachuk drops his gloves. I don't know why you took... Why, why, why is he... That's Matthew Kachuk for you, that's though, Kachuk. right? Like, he's just... He's, he, he can't do anything... Normal. He's gotta, no, he's got to like just be such a deviant that he does nothing normal. So he drops his gloves and then takes like 20 steps backwards like what what is he doing but you don't like you've never seen guys you know take 10 seconds to square off happens all the time have you seen seen did you remember how matthew kachuk uh squared up with blake wheeler in the playoffs matthew kachuk is a showman like did you do you remember that in the playoffs when he fought wheeler i can't remember the square off but i remember that he makes like a big huge deal of it he like takes one glove off at a time circles around for a while Get set. It's like the guy. That's how you know he's making a deal out of it. He's pumping himself up. Exactly. It's like I don't he, understand how you look at that and be like, "Oh, he doesn't want to fight me." He's or you look at that and say he waited until his back was turned and then started attacking you. <laughs> oh my god! What is wrong with these people? And again, poor Johnny Gaudreau sitting on the bench probably has just shit his pants because that's what I would have done. 
half dead on a dirty hit. Nobody has a word to say about that. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous that this league, like, unbelievable. And then Lucic makes almost the exact same hit last night from behind because he's a moron. And the outrage is, oh, why don't they protect star players? Meanwhile, Johnny Gaudreau's brain is probably damaged from the night before. And again, for all you pieces of shit who are out there saying Johnny Gaudreau's soft, dude didn't miss a shift after that. Can you imagine if that happened to anyone who's sitting at home on their couch watching the game saying Johnny Gaudreau's soft? Can you imagine getting plastered in the boards like that by a 200-pound defenseman? You would have been crying on the ice like a bitch. Johnny Gaudreau didn't miss a shift. I can't wait to see how this team responds. Like I'm, I'm back in, I'm excited again. Well, again, like if you take, if you take a, uh, just step back a little bit, last night was really hard to watch. Last night was very frustrating to watch. Yep. I thought a lot of Daryl Sutter's decisions were with the Ford group specifically were weird. I still hate that power play. We're still four and two in the last six games. And the last six games have been much more enjoyable to watch than the previous, what, 25, 26? Yeah. So I'm still looking forward to the next game. In that first game, um, Sam Bennett, you got him up. This thing you posted here with, you know, the percentages of zero to 100. Is that goals, expected goals? He's up there like almost 80. Yeah, that line was good. And that's why I was kind of confused. Um in in game two, why that line was kind of getting picked on a bit by Daryl. I know Dubé well, made a bit of a soft play on the on the opening goal, but it was Bennett that got pr- promoted. I'm curious to see if he changes the line. I think, and here's I, the thing you we, have to. Here's the thing we've been saying, right? You don't expect him to make any huge changes off the bat, and you go three and zero. You're going to make changes? No. So I think now is the time that you see Daryl, I think you're right. He has to, you can't after you losing, you know, two or three be like, yeah, we're just going to, that's what Jeff Ward would do. We're going to stick to what doesn't work or try new things that, you know, aren't going to work. Yeah. Um, But I think he's seen enough. He's made enough in-game adjustments to know that, okay, it's time to make some permanent changes here. Um, And I don't mind, I don't mind this, like, because what's the alternative? What's the opposite? You know, it's a line, it's a line blender every single night. We've yeah. seen that. That doesn't work. You need some sort of stability. So, I mean, you mentioned this, read between the lines. I think everything that Daryl does is more calculated than random. And I don't think the same was to be said for, you know, Jeff Ward. So when when you see things that pain you, because we've seen it under Jeff Ward, I don't think we can look at it under the same light, even though and that's why it's just like, I think you take the pain with a grain of salt because you're not feeling the pains for the same reasons. Ultimately is what I was, what I'm thinking. Could well, be you, wrong, but. Yeah. You said something good um, to me previously of like, Daryl maybe is trying to break these guys. will. Yeah. Um, and, and here, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> I don't have a dog. We had, we had used to have a poodle as, a, as <laughs> a, you know, as kids and he was already 14 years old when we got him. So, but I, you know, you I mean you know this guy too, but there's one dog that I know that is the most well-mannered, well-tamed dog I've ever met. And the owner said, Oh yeah, I had to break his will. I'm just like, well, what do you mean? 
<laughs> I won't say his name because there might be some, you know, people that think this is animal abuse, but he said he had to hold his dog down, you know, sit on top of him on its on its back and let the dog just like yelp and scream and try and like get out. And then eventually he had to break his will and show him like, no, I am the boss. And, but he says like the freedom that this guy, this dog now has, he can walk down busy streets downtown, doesn't have to put his dog on a leash. Like he listens that well. So there's, there's a freedom that comes with, you know, knowing who the master is. Right. And we talked about this. There's been no hierarchy between the coach and the players before. And maybe this is part of breaking that will. No, I'm going to sit guys. Guaranteed they know why. You know, it's not head games anymore. And they're going to know what Daryl wants to see differently. And they're going to have no choice anymore. Either they give Daryl what he wants or they're not going to get the playing time. So I think you're seeing a bit of that as well play out. Um, And I think that's the only way you can get to change right? From, from the habits that you've created, if you want to do it fast, I mean, you got to create motivation somehow, right? You can motivate through fear. Or you can motivate through reward. You can do both. So I totally think that's happening. Yeah. And like I was talking about earlier, pressure cooker, I think he's trying to put these guys in really tough spots to see how they respond. And Again, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for us to, as fans to manage the long term expectations versus what we want to see right now, right here, right now. So, buckle in for for the next twenty games, I guess. Yeah, the last thing I want to touch on is just looking at the the top performers from last night's game, the loss against the Leafs. Uh, David Riddick, he was your top performer. Um, when is this guy going to get some run support? Never, never. This has been go. This has been a theme with Riddick since he since he got here. Eh? It's just like he never seems to get support ever. <laughs> Poor guy. Chris Tanev. Amidst the last three games that were so painful to watch, listen. The next time a game is painful to watch, don't watch anything. Just watch Chris Tanev. Yep. This guy is still doing everything perfectly. He made like four or five incredibly smart breakout passes and just puck moves in the Breaking first game. Breaking up two on ones, shutting down. Yeah, shutting, shutting down, down Matthews, Marner, shutting like, down Matthews. Breaking if, the puck out with ease. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. I'm sure of it. Seriously, like, and it's funny because he's the only guy who I've ever seen like do the dive move on a two on one and it can do it effectively. Yeah, he's like he's not like a last of Jeff. It's very like calculated. Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's been so good and just what world am I living in? He's been a pleasure to watch. He's, he's been the opposite of Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, Rasmus Anderson's been our weakest link. Chris Tana's been the strongest link. I like how on that goal was it last night or the night before? It was the wraparound goal. I think it was last night. Val Mackey's chasing whoever it is as the, the Leafs guy as the puck. It was the Hyman goal. Yeah, the 2 nothing goal. Rasmus Anderson comes in and just pulls everyone over. Yeah. What is he doing? It's like, dude, man-on-man coverage. What don't you get? He's just like, I'm coming over. Bang, everyone's down. If you see your player tied up with another player, 
that means if you go and support him, there's another guy left open. So you better damn well not lose the battle, let alone knock your own guy and yourself over in the process. Huge hikers from Rastus Anderson. Although he he has I, been better. He's been better, but still, he's been man. Better. All right. So just to wrap things up, um, I would say the biggest difference that I've seen in the first three games, the last three games under Daryl Sutter has been the tempo has fallen back to kind of more not pushing play and the four track has suffered because of it. So looking at this next two set against the the Sens, they better fucking come out ready to play. They better set the temp. I'm sure they got to practice in between. They only got one though. And Daryl might have other stuff he needs to stress, but they got to get back to pushing that play up on the tempo and generating off the four check. Yeah, totally. Because again, that's what we haven't seen in the last two games. And it's no coincidence they've been getting dominated because of it. Yeah. And just to reiterate what we said, um, I'm okay with the slow change as long as it's change. Okay. If, if, this slow change ends up to be kind of like what we saw under Jeff Ward, no change at all. I have a problem, but I still think this is all part of a longer process. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. We're all a little crazy is brought to you by the same here global mental health movement and the hockey podcast network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the same here Alliance, Theo Fleury. This is 20 year professional sports executive, mental health advocate and founder of the hashtag same here global mental health movement, Eric Cusin. This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance. We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way. Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone, even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries. The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained. Yeah, it needs real long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet 
the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways. This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time. No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will. Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience.